Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Let's get into the study. Let's get into the study. If you would, let's go and get our Bibles out. We're going to go to Matthew 5. Anybody know what Matthew 5 kicks off? Off the top of you? What? Beatitudes, yep, Sermon of the Mount. Uh, we, again, have been in a series, and again, there's Bibles underneath the chairs around the room. If you uh, need one, you can have one, keep one, take one, whatever you'd like. Uh, also, version is up and running today if you use the app, and you can do a look for, uh, local live events, and you'll see our event there with all the scriptures there. Uh, uh, can we talk in the Bible yet? Are we, are we over it? I'm distracted. Oh. Can Allie go get it and take it down? Will you wear it? No, she can't wear it. <laughs> It's <laughs> Shannon, what say you? What should, be ha- what, what should we do with the hat? Okay. <laughs> They're about to throw a cane up here. That's what I stopped. So if you think I'm distracting, second row. Okay, so, uh, but we've been in a series looking at basically some different areas of spiritual growth. We're getting ready to move into a new season as a church that will be coming about March 3rd, which is our 20th anniversary and my 20th anniversary here at the church. Uh, and we'll be talking about some new things uh, that we feel God's leading us towards then. And I'm excited to share those. But th- this particular series has kind of helped us dig into particular areas of our day-to-day Christian walk to be able to kind of fine-tune things so that we have a stronger foundation as we move on to new things as well. So today what I want to talk to you about is distinctive lifestyle. What what a lifestyle of a Christian uh, should look like and give us all a chance to kind of do some self-evaluation on uh, how we're doing in some particular areas of our life. And uh, this kind of spoke from, well, there's a couple different places. There is, I told you when we started that there's some study material I'm going through on uh, spiritual growth that really, I'll be honest, hasn't really played into this sermon series that much. It's been a good study, but it's not really come up here much outside maybe a quote or a point. But in this particular area, they did have a couple good uh, bullet point lists that I'm going to share with you today. So that's where the bullet points will come from. And then the other part of it, which really got the motor running, is when I was at my sabbatical up at Mohican, I was listening to a podcast, and a guy asked a question. I'm, I don't know the exact wording, but it was basically this. Um, what in your life, okay, if you're sitting here as a Christian, which, again, you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiver in your life, um, you you're in charge, I'm not, I'm following you. you, you're a Christian, you're saved, that's how you're saved. Um, what in your life, in your actions, in your mentality, what you do, uh, is seen by others and they go, well, of course they're going to be like that because they're a Christian. Like what's distinctive about your life that reflects that you're a Christian? Um, not the hypocrisy stuff, not the bad stuff, not the, of course they're judgmental, of course they're saying nice things to their face and the gossiping behind their back. You know, people have seen enough of that. I think we all agree with that. Um, But the good things. What what, what do other people see in your life? And they say, oh, of course, of course. Uh, So with that, we really need to dig into the difference between worldly action and Christ-centered action, thinking, um, processes, so that we can have that kind of lifestyle and answer that question uh, fully 
and easily. So that's why we're going to start off with the Beatitudes. Again, if you've not gone through the Sermon of the Mount before, uh, I've done a couple series on, on, on the Sermon of the Mount over the last probably 15 years. And you can get those on our YouTube channel if you want to go deeper than what I do today. But um, it's a great thing to study. There's so, it's one of those things that's just chocked full of nuts. There's just so much in the Sermon of the Mount. If you're wanting to hear stuff about uh, how do I handle my anger, how do I have a good foundation, how do I seek God's will for my life, how, you know, how, how do I do pretty much almost anything, Jesus bust out in this particular sermon in front of thousands of people in this valley. Uh, but he starts out with the Beatitudes. He really wants to set the mindset first, the heart set first. So we're going to read a little bit of this, and then there's a few other sections we'll jump around to. But uh, this really sets the scene. So seeing the crowds, he, being Jesus, went up on the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught. Now, sometimes I, I've seen people like, okay, how do you do that without a microphone system? Like a PA. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty regular size room, but we usually use microphones mostly for the hard of hearing or the people are watching at home, you know. But how does he do this for thousands of people in this area? And in the past studies, I kind of wish I pulled the picture again for you. Um, th this is a natural amphitheater that's still there today that you can visit. And the way that the valley is shaped, you today can go there and start speaking a little bit of an elevated um, voice. And people in the valley can hear what you're saying. It's like the perfect location for what, what Jesus is doing here. So he opens his mouth and he starts teaching them. And he says things that are really, really odd. Uh, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in the heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. The reason it's odd is just because it's not normal behavior. And it's very different than what they've heard from any other religious leader, rabbi, teacher within it. So I know when you came in today, and you saw that paper board over there. You got excited because it's a paper board day. Oh, yeah. I need a song for this. It's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or something. <laughs> like bringing over the paper board. JT, Mike, Michael, if you guys can work on that song for me, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay, so I did a little pre-work. But what I want to do in the middle is the attitudes that he says that we're supposed to have as Christians, as Christ followers, what we should have. So here's the audience participation time. Are you ready? I'll go easy first. Looking at the scripture in front of you. So this is an open book test. Not hard. Someone help Greg, but everybody else, we're good to go. That's because you were snotty to me earlier. What is the benefit, according to Jesus, for being poor in spirit? Okay, so kingdom of God. Next, those who mourn. Comforted. Meek. 
You guys are getting softer. You know I can't hear. You want a microphone, Jeff? No. <laughs> Hunger, thirst for righteousness? That was even quieter than when I made the joke. What? Before. Before. What did you say? Satis satisfaction? I can't get no. Merciful. Show or shown? Okay. Fun with translations. Pure in heart. Hmm? Hmm? Peacemakers. Nobody gets mad if I put sons and daughters of God, right? Uh, and persecuted for righteousness. Hmm? I still can't hear. I told you. Kingdom of God. Okay. All right. So, according to Jesus, if we have his attitudes from a Christian standpoint, these are the benefits that come from it. it that's a simple way of saying it, right? So, if this is the type of life that I want to be able to have, the kind of peace I want to have, the kind of joy I want to have, these are the things that I adopt, so these things come naturally. Now, poor in spirit, if I'm looking at it from an earthly st standpoint, what's the opposite of poor in spirit? What's the more worldly way to go versus how Jesus... Oh, I'm making you think now. What's that? Pride? Moan? Rejoice? But, do you think just from a Jesus standpoint, we're not supposed to be joyful? Rejoice in what? Hmm? You guys got to be a lot louder. You've got to come up separately. Well, if this is the earth side, so in earthly things, like the way you're thinking there. Because, what's that? No, you sit in the middle up in the front row. <laughs> Which one you, what, what do you want? Pride? You got pride? Yeah, I got pride. Rejoice in earthly things, mourning. Uh, basic, because again, a Christian mourning-wise, it's not like we accept Jesus in our, in our life to take and just be sad all the time, right? It's that, but we are rejoicing in Him instead of the things of earth, the things that people uh, find their satisfaction in, the type of things that people put their goals into. Uh, if you ever stop and think about it, I, um, there are those of us here that struggle and stress out on need things food, um, finances, whatever the case, we all need issues. And then we work as a community to be there for one another in Christ, right? But realistically, a lot of us stress out badly on goal issues, not need issues. Like, I want this much of my retirement while I'm there, and I'm stressing out that if, about whether or not to take this cruise or put this into my retirement. That's a, that's a worldly stress type thing that we add to ourselves if we're not made for it. Uh, other side of meekness, earthly sign? <laughs> Relying on our strength. And that's a, a important thing, denominator put in there, because meekness is not weakness. 
Meekness is ta taking and being peaceful through the Lord and letting Him be. So this would be being relying on your strength. How going thirst for righteousness? Okay. Merciful. Hmm. Vengeful. Pure in heart. Hmm. Depraved. Sinful. Peacemakers. See, that's an opportunity I could just put somebody's name and it would have been funny, but I did not. Persecuted for righteousness? Not persecuted. Yeah? <laughs> Easy life, not making waves. And not standing out when you actually see. Do you notice there when we read through that that there's two times they talked about the persecution? With the other ones, just got one line. It's because of the type of things that they would be dealing with, and the way that we oftentimes take and pull back or hide because of our own fear and not standing out. If we look at this list, my guess is most of us would like to be considered more the second row and really don't look at the first row and take it super seriously. Because a lot of times when we define stuff like this in the worldly standpoint, we define our minds at this level that we're not, so I'm closer over here. But we don't think about the times that I don't stand for the Christ, or the times I don't um, witness to somebody that's going through a need or ask them if they need to have coffee because they're going through a tough time, or the times that I take and skip over things I know God's calling me to do because I'm more self-focused on what I want to do that night or what I'm comfortable with or... Uh, what's on my schedule versus what I know should be on my schedule, I spend my money on versus what I know I should be spending my money on. There's a lot of decisions that we make that we're really, really honest, really honest, if, especially if we're having a problem trying to figure out what am I doing that's distinctive that other people know that I do that just because I'm a Christ follower, then we probably have more some mindset in that first level than what we'd like to admit. At the root causes of the decisions that we make. That doesn't mean you're a bad, horrible person. It means that if I want to follow Christ and I want to live in the fullness of Christ and I want to share the fullness of Christ, then I have a choice to bring in a different attitude that makes me distinctive from the rest of the world. Does that make sense? We still all on the same page on that? Somebody? So that's the opportunity we have when we have a question like, what is distinctive in your life? If we're having struggles, then maybe we're finding some areas to, to bring this into place. So uh, with that... Uh, I also want to hit a, a couple other things because here he's blown people's minds and it does end with the fact that they are amazed at his teaching and the authority of his teaching because um, he's teaching a different way of life than the world. But even with this, because he's talking to pre predominantly Jewish people that are following God, he wants to say it's not just different than the world, but it's different than how you perceive the law. And so if you want, and, and you can study this more later, I'll to give you the Bible verses, it's in the same chapter. Um, there's a section that we, we call, uh, you've, you've heard it said, you've heard it said before, 
we make several statements of this is what you've heard, which is the law. Everything comes out there is the law. But I tell you that when you get into this beatitude way of thinking, it's much deeper than what you're considering it. It's kind of the same thing. Some of the things you're doing are really in that first, first line, you don't realize it. So, for instance, in uh, verse 21, if you're still there, uh, Jesus says to him, You've heard that it was said of those of old, okay, this is the law, uh, you should not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And then he says, But I tell you, if you get angry at your brother and you, you have this hatred towards him, you've already murdered. You, you, you got to get out of that first way of thinking, like, at least I didn't shoot the guy in the head. Well, you basically already did. You, you, you have that same heart issue that is motorous. And so if we're going to get here, we've got to deal with that in the middle. Uh, next one, 27, you've heard that it said you should not commit adultery. You, should, you shouldn't be having an affair on your spouse. Well, I tell you, if you look at a woman or you look at a man and it's in lust, not just like, oh, hey, they're pretty. I mean, there's a lot of pretty people in the world, you know, but you're like, mm, I'd like to get it on. Then you're lusting, and you've already committed adultery. It's a whole, the, because the middle is where his focus is versus what we try to take him and bring it into. Some of you guys smiled. Hopefully that was a good smile and not a confession. Number 31. Uh, it's also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Again, um, but I say, do you ever want to divorce his wife? It's up on the grounds of sexual morality. There, there is uh, some biblical ex- reasons why someone can get a divorce. But it still breaks his heart. It still breaks his heart. Uh, and if your divorce says, well, it just seems to me that we're not in love anymore. It just seems like it's too much work anymore. Don't, don't, don't bow on that. You know? And so, again, we're bringing in some different attitudes. Oaths, uh, verse 33. Again, you've heard it said of those of old, you should not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I tell you, just don't be a liar. If you're a person of integrity, you don't have to swear anymore. You have to say, oh, I swear to God, or I swear on heaven, or I swear on this, or I swear on that. If people know you're not lying, they're going to go, oh, okay. Well, as long as Angie told me she's going to do it, she's going to do it. She doesn't have to swear about it. Be that type of person, again, is raising up this middle section. 38, retaliation. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I tell you, don't resist somebody who's coming against you. Turn the cheek. Until you have no cheeks left, I guess. Well, 70 times 7 uh, aspect on forgiveness. I guess that retaliation thing is about what God's supposed to do instead of what we do. It's a different way of thinking. Uh, you've heard that it said, verse 43. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I tell you, isn't that just like everybody else? Doesn't everybody love their neighbor and hate their enemy? You're no different than the rest of the world if that's what you're doing. Love your enemy. It's a different way of thinking. It makes us distinctive. It gives us two, two things. One, and, the, and if this isn't enough for you to dive into this, I don't know what it is. One, it gives you a much better life. There's a selfish attitude. I get this if I'm in the middle. Secondly, it expands my testimony because people will believe the words I say about Jesus if I'm being the real deal. What are you doing that you can name in your head, not that we're going around bragging on ourselves, but in your head that is distinctive that other people look at and say, that's what a Christian must look like. That must be what the life of Christ looks like. I'm going to give you three different areas. This is where I'm going to start stealing from that, uh, the study I've been going through. Three different areas to examine this by. Um, 
to kind of let us go a little bit deeper, and I'll do this release itself. The first one is looking at this from the standpoint of external activity, how others see you day to day, work, sports, school, whatever the case may be. What is your external activity, how you're reacting towards others? And um, again, I'll read to you if you don't want to jump around, but again, read it later, make sure I'm not making stuff up. Uh, Colossians 3. Uh, there is a section where Paul is writing to the church about these are the things you've got to, to leave behind. You, you've got to let go of. You've got to get out of your life. In other words, this is the stuff in the first list. And then he has a section that says, but put on, adopt, bring in the things that fall into the second list. So here, here's what he says to, to get rid of. Actually, he doesn't just say get out of your life or try to do better. He says put the death, okay, kill it, get rid of it. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed daily by daily by daily by daily, being renewed in knowledge after the image of, of its creator. Kill what you've been doing externally. But, in verse 12, put on, you're not just taking this stuff off so you stand there spiritually naked, now we're putting on as God's chosen ones who are distinctive, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, good luck, right? Bearing with one another, and one has a, if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you may also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Watch the stink bug go fly by. Bye, stink bug. Okay, so the, again, take off the first list. It's repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. Grab this middle list, and then this is the life that we'll live and the life that we'll exhibit. So how are you externally taking and living this in your activity? If you find that you're not, it's probably because we're too much in the first list, not the second. There's a heart issue. It always comes back to the heart issues. Still with me? Okay, second one. So think about things like, this is my external activity. How am I distinctive? My... Uh, in my external activity? How am I distinctive in my interactions with other people? Okay, so now this is the conversation. This is the face-to-face. -face. This is how, how people uh, see things. And I, I don't have the scripture here for you because it's kind of a last-minute uh, throw-in. But, uh, like, if you want something that's kind of... First Timothy 3 and 4. Uh, I love Timothy anyways. Um, it's letters from Paul to a young man that he mentored, a young man they thought of as his own son. Uh, and how to do ministry in the different areas where he has left him. And when you go into this particular section, and this is 
oh, I'll talk about that when I get there. But I really do like this section because it has a special memory to me. But when you're going through four and when you're going through five, over and over again, it's instruction on how to treat others. There's a section about how uh, to treat older men and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to be able to show respect even if they're wrong. Uh, he has sections here of how to take care of widows and how those interactions should look. Um, he has interactions here with people that are bond servants that, that are considered lesser in the world and how he's to respond there, how to respond with the elders of the church and those are the leaders within the church. It's just over and over again there's these different instructions. But the one that, that I've always uh, kind of held on to is because um, when I was in church in high school, I think I was a freshman, I think Renee was a senior, and she passed away from leukemia. And um, at a funeral, this was her favorite scripture, according to the, the bulletin. Uh, and it starts in chapter 4, verse 11. And it says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Great ways for your interactions to hold on to in your speech and your conduct and your love and your faith and in your purity. But the thing that I missed for a couple of decades when I was reading this again was set an example for the believers, not the unbelievers. That, that he within his ministry, said, that, that we set an example for one another as well. And so how do, how do we conduct ourselves? What do your relationships look like? It, uh, I know way too many people that really kind of have a little bit of sense of pride that they're a kick-butt person, and a lot of people don't like them. I don't remember what scripture that matches up to. Um, if there's a chance that you're the only one that's right in the world and everybody else misunderstands you, that there might be some things to check out. There might be some things to look at. That there might be the wrong root cause on what, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to stand on. Uh, how you handle your anger, how you uh, respect people, how you uh, submit to leadership if it's submitting to the Lord. Um, all of these things come into play, not just for the life that you're living, but also for the testimony that you're putting out there. If, if, people have seen way too many hypocrites, way too many hypocrites. I mean, we need not to be part of that problem anymore. So how are your interactions with people? How do people perceive you? You can't make everybody happy in any way, shape, or form, but you can be an integrity before your Lord on how you treat others. You can be an integrity before your Lord. When you go up and find, like, stop and think, okay, if I had to talk to Jesus right now about what I'm about to say to them, is it a good thing? That might be a good pause for some of us to, to embrace. The third one I'll give you is this, is, uh, also in your internal behavior, your internal behavior. Because as I keep saying over and over again, because I'm trying to drill in the point, all of this is actually a matter of a heart, not about what the actions that we do. Our heart will always dictate our actions. So if we can get our heart, that's where it needs to be. So external activity, people see what you do with that. People see what you do in their actions. Internal behavior is what only you and God knows, and trust me, God knows. Um, and if we, one of the things we see in Scripture over and over again, um, I'm going to go to Romans 1 because I'm trying to stay on the poly and end of this, but even as far back to Pharaoh with Moses and the Egyptians, he just kept making bad decisions after bad decision until it says that God hardened his heart. He was holding his heart for a while, and God said, okay, I'll just give you to it. I'm just going to turn you over to what you decide over and over again. We see these examples in the Scripture as well, as Paul is writing to the Church of Rome uh, about a group of people that become so diehard in list one, that he says, fine, you're list one people. Uh, so now verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them, 
Okay, that's the part that I, I want to make sure you're, you're seeing here. God gave them to the lust of their hearts and impurity. So in other words, not the th necessarily the things everybody else was seeing, but the things that they just could not let go of, that they continued to dive into over and over again. He, he turned them over to those lusts, uh, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, which, uh, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. This includes they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. You see how these things are something, the, 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 the key indicators continue to repeat. Covetousness, malice, they were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, they were gossips, they were slanderers, they were haters of God, they were insolent, they were haughty, they were boastful, they were inventors of evil. That's quite the phrase. I mean, like, when you're not, like, like happy anymore with, like, Satan's options, you start inventing your own stuff, it's getting pretty bad. You're inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, that the internal has so much power that we think we're hiding that it actually would just start to spill out in ways of evil to the point that we'll invent stuff if, if we're not there good enough by ourselves. Does that make sense? So the internal behavior, if we can work there, it makes one and two so much easier. If you can have a life change in the heart, then everything else is much, much easier. It's easier for us to look at one or two and to make a list of, okay, I need to do this better, this better, this better, this better, this But when we work on our heart, and it becomes Christ-centered, then we have more to work with. Uh, it's not, the, the, run, let me do this first. Um, so back to the main question, right, uh, as far as what you're doing that's distinctive as a Christian. Uh, if you're not coming up with a lot of things, or you're coming up with a list of things that you, know, you wish weren't there, uh, I'll give you the other list. This is how, how, you can, how you can move forward in these areas. First one is be healed with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I think a lot of us think that's something different than what it is. It's like if I pray enough and I read the Bible enough and I chant something long enough and meditate long enough, then uh, there'll be this unique feeling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you've accepted Jesus as the leader, forgive in your life, uh, and you get out of the way, you'll be filled by the Holy Spirit. The, the only thing that blocks the Holy Spirit is us. Um, when people talk about Sunday morning, they go, oh, that, that was awesome today. I felt the Spirit move. I hope so, because the Spirit's will is to move. Our, our main role up, up here is to not get in the way of it. I, I truly believe that that's a, one of the biggest parts of my ministry is not to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. Make sure. So if you're praying and you're with Him, you're going to be filled more and more with the Holy Spirit. And the more things you have, number two, because everything in number one is a block. Everything else is a block. Second one uh, is live a surrendered life. And that's embracing that, that middle list there. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a verse I put down with this. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, or she's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. If you're the same as you were before, then we need to talk about how you define having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's natural. 
So if I live a surrendered life, I give up the ones and I put on the others, then I'm getting in the ballpark, and the third one is just this, then allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Then just give him the space and let him go. It's really just as hard as it sounds and just as easy as it sounds. And that's where we as a community take and surround each other and help each other with, with this. Um, when we go through lists like this, one of my concerns is, and what I hear from people a lot, it's like, man, there's just a lot of don'ts in the Bible. There's a lot of fun stuff that's in that list, you know, type stuff. And I remember back in the 80s, how many people are alive in the 80s here? Please, thank you. More? Anybody else? More? Yep, more, please. For the love of God. Um, and I listened to a lot of Christian music and went to a lot of Christian concerts in the 80s and 90s, and I think it was Petra. I'm not saying that for sure, um, but I think it was Petra. And they were one of the guys in the band was talking about that, like people complain there's so many don'ts in the Bible and it's not fun and everything. And he, he said, well, if you really look at the Bible, there's so many do's that lead here that if you're doing the do's, you ain't got time for the don'ts. And that really is kind of a realistic attitude. It's just whether or not your heart is set on God or you're set, set on yourself. You know, so, so looking at all these do's and going back to this prayer list, if you can get rid of this, these blocks... This, trust me, these next two lists, it's, it's night and day. It's a whole different way of living in little ways and in big ways. You're really not going to miss out on that much. Um, at least you're not going to miss out on what God created you for. And I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, because th there's certain things I don't like to overly talk about because, you know, there's things between you and God. And you don't want to give up your word down here and all that kind of stuff. But just, just an easy way to look at it. Um, Emily and I were at Walmart yesterday. We moved to a salon over the last couple of days, and we had to go get some uh, some different things and some bedding for her, her new room. And um, there was a, a lady in front of us who's probably uh, maybe 70s or 80s, and she was kind of having a hard time. She rang up for groceries, and uh, she was trying to use a coupon for a ham, and there was a problem with the coupon, and so they had to go talk to the manager about it, and then they came back, and she was kind of embarrassed by the whole thing and stuff. Kind of frustrated. Well, the coupon wasn't good for Walmart. It was good for Giant Eagle and Myers, I think, or something like that. And so they couldn't have it. So she's like, okay, go ahead and put the ham back. So they took the ham off. And they rang her up, and then she gave her, like, the, the card for her uh, food stamps, and that took off half of it. And um, so they told her how much was left. So she had a gift card. She used the gift card, and there's still, like, $7 and some odd cents. And she, she was, you could tell she was kind of trying to laugh about it. It was also kind of a stressful situation. So she, she got a debit card and paid the, the $7 off. And <clears throat> as we're saying there, we're kind of joking with her to kind of relieve her uh, stress about it. And it, you've probably seen moments like that. You know, some of them that, that ballpark, whether it be gas station, grocery store, whatever. And so um, in this case, because, again, I, I fell more than I am successful, but in, in this case, as she was done paying, I asked the cashier, I said, just the ham that they now put on the shelf. Who knows how long it sits there before you get a bite. Um, I said, so I, I, I want that ham. And she's like, okay. And so what the ham, which probably came off like a joke thing. Well, she can't have it. I want it. Um, and then Emily and I gave, gave it to her. And she it was very thankful. It was, it was a nice moment. That, that, that stuff I'll keep to myself. But, the, uh, but outside of the witness, and we did tie that together with the Lord for the cashier and for her, um, outside of the witness I wanted in front of my daughter and the life that we want to continue to live uh, as a family. Uh, but there's also 
and we reward for you. I mean, most of the stuff we'll never see until we get to heaven, but it, it, it was a nice moment with her. It really felt like God was using me for a moment. Um, and I like a lifestyle of that. Uh, more so than stressing out on whether or not this vacation is going to mess up my retirement. More so than if I get to buy these clothes, or I don't have enough money for that this week. There's a lifestyle that we're created for that's distinctive, that changes our world and others' worlds. But we do need to stop sometimes and really look at it, or else we'll go back to, well, at least I'm nicer than I used to be. We'll call it to so much, so much more. So next week, if you come, a little preview. I have 22 questions for you next week. <laughs> 22. This week, just one. What are you doing that's distinctive? What are you doing that's distinctive that other people look at and say, of course, of course Len's like that. Of course past, Pat is like that. Of course Jackie's like that. They're a Christ follower. They love Jesus. And there's a change. What is distinctive and what do we need to submit? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.